0: And the Bible says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Heavenly Father, we've prayed tonight, and several people have have just prayed that uh, just what my heart is and uh, Dustin's prayer are just about wanting you to move here in this congregation, wanting to see you uh, do a mighty work here. And we pray tonight would be uh, a night that uh, you would have your, your will and your way in our hearts. And we just ask your blessing now in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so here in the book of Nehemiah, as you know, uh, Nehemiah, he was a cup cupbearer for Artaxerxes. And he finds out that Jerusalem um, is just in disarray. The walls are knocked down. And he finds that out, and it just burdens his heart. And so here he, he he's weeping, he's mourning, he's fasting, he's praying before God. And He's seeking God. And he gets answered. God answers him. Okay? 2 Chronicles 7.14. Most of you know it. If my people which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Right? He shall heal their land. Um, I want to ask you a question. And don't answer right away. Think about it. Be honest. And if you answer wrong, ask God to help you with that. (laughs) So here's the question. Do you want revival here? Don't say yes. You're not willing to do what's necessary. And that's why I say, if you said, "Mm, I'm not sure or no, because you already know what's necessary, just ask God to help you with that. We should want revival. And I see God working. God's doing the work here. Um, you know, men's Bible study, Josh, you know, he's brought that message and he's excited seeing what, what, what God's doing. And, um, you know, I want to see it happen. I mean, how how would, wouldn't you like to see a revival here at Bible Baptist Church? Marysville, Yuba County, United States of America. I don't know if you know it, and I haven't really looked into it. I, I looked online a little bit, but there's some revivals going on at a couple campuses in, in the United States right now. It's supposed to be full-blown and, and going. I'm hoping it's the real thing. I'm hoping it catches. And went from Asbury uh, University, went to another one. I don't know where it's at now, but, I mean, why not here? I mean, 11 people got saved at the jail last week. Le- on, on the men's side, 11 men got saved. Now, I know some people say, oh, well, that's jailhouse religion. You ever heard that one? How's that different from church house religion? Oh, well, they're desperate. You know, because they're in jail and they're desperate. So what you're telling me is, you need to be desperate before you're going to move towards God. Is that what we need? We need to be desperate? I hope that's not what we need to... But we do need to get serious. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. it has got to be sacrifice. It's not just going to come flippantly. You know, people pray. We've had, you know, people pray before God, bring revival, but then we don't change. Really, we ought to be praying for repentance, right? We pray, bring revival, is, i always get ahead of my message but think about this you're asking for revival i see how he almost falls off this sometimes <laughs> is it, you got this right here so you know there's something there so you want to step forward um you're asking for revival but picture yourself literally going before god what if god just translated you and you stood before god and you were allowed to bring me a request Would you bring that sin you're hanging on to? Hebrews chapter twelve and verse one. Let us lay aside the weights and the sins that doth, doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Would you bring even that weight? It may not necessarily be a sin, but you know it's hindering you. Would you bring that before God and hide it behind your back? God, you know, really would like to have this. And God says, would you be willing to give up that thing that's behind your back? You wouldn't bring it to God, would you? If you wouldn't bring it to God, then why are you hanging on to it in your house in the privacy of your own home where nobody knows? It's not going to work. You're not going to have revival if you're hanging on to that. You've got to be sacrificed. You've got to get serious with God. Nehemiah got serious with God. Are you willing to weep? Are you willing to mourn? Are you willing to fast and pray? It's going to take some, some sacrifice as individuals and as a church. <clears throat> we need to let God know we're serious. We need to, you know, we need to stop some things that are hindering us, those weights and those sins, and we need to add some godly choices. Nehemiah desperately wanted to help his people, so he began to seek God. And if you read the time frame, it didn't happen right away. It took a few months. So he's praying and he's fasting continually. You know, I thought about last week when Pastor... I'm trying to think if it was... I I get my services mixed up. I don't know if you all do that. but I don't know if it was during men's Bible study or it was during a service, but he was was talking about... um, when he comes down and the people were asking the disciples to cast that, that devil out, and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus Christ comes down and he casts it out. And they said, Lord, how come, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this, cometh, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. He was all the time praying and fasting. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a part of his life. Praying and fasting. Fasting is a way of putting the flesh down. It's a, it's a time that you seek God. It's a time that you, um, you don't do the normal things you would and have the niceties, if you would, the pleasures of life that you would. There's all sorts of different kinds of fasting. And some of you might say, oh, well, I can't fast. I have a health condition. Brother James shaking his head, no, he's got a health condition. You can fast. You can miss a meal. I found out. Um, I I was telling Pastor the other day that you know for me to miss a meal that's nothing. So for me to miss a meal that's not a fast for me. For me to miss two meals that's not that's not a fast. For me to miss three meals that's not. I do that without thinking. When I'm working. So it's got to be a little bit more than that for me. Maybe not for you. Maybe you do have a condition and you can only miss one meal. But there are other things you can fast from. There's other things you should fast from when you are fasting from food. TV. Internet. Phones. Radio. You do not want to be pumping that stuff into you when you're seeking God. When you are fasting, you are opening yourself up to God... You don't want to be allowing other stuff in. Look at, um, go to um, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now, it was uncanny uh, during the men's Bible study this week. uh, I told Josh, well, he just taught half of my lesson, so (laughs) it's a repeat for some of the guys. But then, you know, you get to thinking about it. The Bible says... Uh, that when God says something twice, that it is established. Oh, I'm thinking he wants it said. And I know Pastor is preparing some work on fasting right now. He's doing some studying on that, so I'm expecting him to bring a message on that soon. That's not what this message is on. It's just that that's one of the things that we see Nehemiah did, and he was able to get God's blessing. God answered his prayer. In James chapter 4... In verse one, it says, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not; ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God." Do you think the scripture saith, in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? So he starts off with this little section here saying, you you can't have it because you're not asking according to my will. You're asking according to your lust. That's the very principle in the beginning here. And then he goes right into, in verse 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now, I, when, I, when I was preparing this message, I originally, and we're going to get there if, if we have time, um, I originally was completely in Nehemiah. But look at, the, look at the spiritual side right here of what's going on in Nehemiah. He's mourning, weeping, praying, fasting. It's all right here. Right here in James where he's saying, hey, look, you want God's blessings? The very beginning of it is answered prayer. And God says, I'll give you that. I'll give you, I'll give you these answers prayer, but let's do this here. Let's seek, he says, seek me. Seek him with your whole heart, amen? Um, We need to, we know according to 1 John that if we ask according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears our petitions, we have the things that we desire, right? We know that he hears, if we are are asking according to his will, we will have that answer according to to his, his desires, when our desires are his desires. He says, I will give that to you. But there are some things that hinder that sin, right? If you if you have um, un, unconfessed sin, um, that's going to hinder that. So it's in Psalm sixty-eight or sixty-six, eighteen, I think. Um, that's going to hinder that. That's why he's saying right here, "Hey, draw nigh to God." He sa- he says you double-minded. What does that mean, you double-minded? Why does he put that in there? He says, mourn and, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and weeping. Why does, why does he put that double-minded in there? Because it's this. God, please bring revival. What's on next? Yeah. God, please deliver me from this. It is Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The lusts of your flesh. He's, he starts off talking about that lust of the flesh. And it's like that in James chapter 1 where it says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for that man is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. Let that not that man think that he shall have anything. He's not. God says, if you're double-minded, saying... The, the, the context in James chapter 1 is talking about going through stuff, tribulations, and he says, if you want wisdom how to get through this, I'll give it to you. But do you really want to get through it? Well, who wouldn't want to get through it? There's a lot of people don't really want to get through their sin. They've gotten comfortable with it. And sometimes it's not even sin. Sometimes you just got comfortable in your lifestyle. Work takes a precedence over church. How often does that happen? And I'm not... I'm not one of those guys, I think church is important, I really do, but I don't want to be legalistic and say, oh, if you miss that service, oh, you're just not right with God. No, there's liberty in Christianity, there's liberty with Christ, but where is your heart? Where is your heart? Is it, is it to be doing the will of God? See, God knows that, and that's why he says not to be double-minded. You can't be praying for revival and then not do your part to see it happen. There's got to be some sacrifice. And it's different for different people, but generally speaking, I mean, you can nail some things down. We'll look at a few things uh, that are pretty much blanket, you know, that the usuals. That's why I started off with that Hebrews, um, uh, the weights and, and sins. It doesn't actually have to be a sin. It could just be a weight. Um, something, sometimes it's Family. Sometimes it's school, sometimes it's work, sometimes it's uh, sports or entertainment, whatever it might be. And Not necessarily sin, but it's something that is hindering you from getting closer to God. It's hindering you from being a soul winner. Some of you, it's the fact that you won't go soul winning. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say you want to see souls win, but none, never go. Could you imagine, I thought about this today. Could you imagine standing before God? I think I I said this to you before, but could you imagine standing there and just, sorry God, I couldn't win one. Can not imagine standing before the God of everything that died for us? Saying, I couldn't win one. And I know it's not up to us to give the increase. It's up to God to give the increase. But I believe if you go, he'll give the increase. He will. Maybe not every time, but eventually he will. Um, You will see souls saved. And I've seen it happen. Sometimes we'll do a big push and, uh, you know, it might be... I've seen it so many times where we'll do a certain certain push for something, like just say an Easter Sunday or whatever, and we may not get a visitor from the visits we made, but then we'll have visitors come in from somewhere else, and people get saved that way, and, uh, um, you know, I, I've seen that happen many times. But here in, in James chapter 4, he lays out some things that, that he says that we need to do. cleansing your hands, and we're going to look back in Nehemiah, and we're going to see some, all of this in there. Um, <clears throat> In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that it may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Not getting entangled with the affairs of this life. And that can be a lot of different things. Um, but I, I just, I believe God wants to bring revival here. And so I, I believe that's going to mean, as individuals, looking at our lives and and seeing what needs to go and what do we need to add you know we got a lot of good and i'm not pointing anyone out in particular i'm not if if i hit somebody on something i say but we got a lot of people that are great givers but i've never seen them here on saturday for soul winning giving doesn't absolve you of your of, of your part of winning souls we've got people that are great teachers but are you here for soul winning? Now, soul winning, everything, a lot of churches preach it is. I don't think it is. Glorifying God is. That's our duty, Glorify God. But we are to be winning souls and trying to, you know, add to his kingdom. That's, that's part of glorifying God. He that wins souls is wise. Um, he's not willing that any should perish, right? But that all should come to repentance. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they repent. We are the light of the world. Right? What does that mean? That, that that men may what? Glorify God through what? Your good works. That they're seeing. We're supposed to be living for the Lord. We're supposed to be that light. Amen? <clears throat> I got to flip a few pages because I always preach way ahead of myself. So. Oh, I wrote... So in James 4, 6, it says that he resisteth the proud. And let me ask you something. Are you proud? Are you proud? Now, we might casually say, oh yeah, everybody has pride, I'm proud. But we're talking about revival here. So how would your pride hinder the revival here? So if I tell you, According to everything I read in Scripture, we can have a full-on, full-scale revival right here. I mean, it could break out tonight. I mean, I'm talking Holy Spirit-filled everything. I don't know if you've ever been someplace and seen that. I have. It's amazing. I was in a congregation. I don't know how many people were there. I'm going to say... I don't know, I'm gonna say 500. I don't know. It may have been more, but there were people getting up from all the way across this congregation on this side and coming over here and getting right with this guy over here and people were getting saved and coming down the aisles and the holy spirit was just all over it. Why can't that happen here? So, do you have pride? He resisteth the proud. So I'm telling you, we can have that according to scriptures that if we pray according to his will, he not only hears us, but he will give it. He will answer it. He will give us the desires of our petitions. So we said we wanted revival. Most of you are shaking your head and saying, yes, we want revival. So we can have it. But are you willing to do what's necessary? Are you willing to seek him with your whole heart? Jeremiah 29:13 says, if you seek him with the whole heart, he shall be found, Right? but seeking him with the whole heart means some things, doesn't it? It means having to get rid of some of those things that we... I haven't really mentioned specifics, but it means having to get rid of some stuff. It means having to add some things into your life as individuals and as a church. We need to get serious with God. You look at these verses, you look at... um, You look at Nehemiah, he was serious about that matter. Whatever it is that's preventing you from excelling for God, that's what you need to get rid of. You think about running that race. Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 1, that he may run the race. Or Paul says, fighting the good fight. And he's, you know, he talks about that. And uh, he, he uses those analogies of competitions and things like that. You Think about something. If I were to be running a race, say a marathon race, because, right, the Christian race is, she's watching me. She's like, he's close. <laughs> If I'm running a race, would I, would I pick that chair up and take that with me? I might get tired down the road, so if I'm going to run this race, I better have the chair. And I think I'm going to take my TV with me, too. Got to have my TV, because I like watching TV. So I'm going to take my TV with me on my marathon race. And you know what? Man, dude, I like sports, so I'm going to go ahead and bring my softball bat and my football, and I'm going to run my race with all this stuff course now if you're in a modern sports environment you're still going to wear some skimpy stupid little thing <laughs> no, I'm just kidding I don't understand that I don't understand that anymore I, I I'm sorry I got this is not even part of the message ladies are so abused in in society I was watching some things some I didn't click on it because I could tell what it was going to be anyways but it was, going through it was a sporting thing and you want to click on that, but there's a woman on the front, and I thought, why would you need to wear that to Polvo? <laughs> what-, what does that have to do with anything? Well the guys don't wear that? <laughs> ah, I don't know. We-, we, do- we need to not be carrying that stuff with us. Yeah. We need to not hang on to it. And we need to address it. It's so easy to not ha- address it because you know what? We think God doesn't care because, well, we've been doing this for how long? And we just, this is just what we do. And you know what? Maybe he hasn't chastened you for it. Maybe it's not a sin. But it's something that's hindering you from getting closer to God. And God's just saying, well, I'd like you to get closer, but you still want to hang on to that. And, you know, as I preach, you I know I don't have to ask because this happens when I'm out there. It happened while I was preparing this message. God is putting some things into your mind and in your heart right now that he's dealing with you on. <clears throat> so will you purify your heart? Will you fast? Will you pray? Will you be afflicted and mourn and weep? Notice it says, let your laughter be turned. Let your joy be turned. You know why it says that? Does God, doesn't God want us to be happy? He said he came to give us an abundant life, right? So why does he say he wants you not to have this joy? Let your laughter be turned. What he's saying is he wants you to take, he wants you to get serious and be sober and understand that seeking God is a serious matter and the frivolities of life, the, the, the entertainment, the things that bring us joy and, all, and, our, and the usual part of life, God says, okay, if you're going to get serious with me, we need to put that on hold for a little bit. Are you willing to do that? I don't, I'm not going to do a raise of hand, but how many spend more than a hundred bucks a month on cable or I don't even know what they if they have cable now or internet, internet connections, phone connections, internet connections. How many spend more than 100 bucks a month? How many spend more than 200? I know people spend more than 400. What could that do for the church? You know um, Brother rule said the other day that you know if all of us just tithe. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir here and I can just assume uh, looking out here that everybody here is tithing but if the whole congregation tithed and gave offerings we'd never have to have special offerings and you know building campaigns and things like that to get extra money because we'd have it and that's true. And that is true. <clears throat> so I asked you if you had pride. If you're not willing to purify your heart, if you're not willing to fast, if you're not willing to mourn, if you're not willing to do these things that we've listed and humble yourself before God, you have pride. Because I've already told you, if we were willing, he's willing for us to have full on-scale revival right here, right now. If you don't, that's your pride. That's saying, "Uh uh-uh. Nah, we don't need that. I want to hang on to this. And God, there's nothing in the Bible says I can't have this. So it's you first. <clears throat> How important is it to you? Now, let's look at Nehemiah. I'm going to have to hurry along here. But um, go back to Nehemiah. And in chapter 2... I want, to look at, I want to show you some parallels here. We'll just look real quick. I, I, I'm only doing this just so next time you read through Nehemiah, you could kind of look at more for this and, and see how here's a real-life circumstance where this happened, where God was blessing and, and how it happened, and then what happened during the blessing. So this message is not only do you want revival, but it's also watch out because when God does start working... The devil does not like that. He does not like it when you get right. He does not like it when you get closer to God. He doesn't like it when you are doing things for God and getting active in your church and soul winning and tithing and, and have a joyful heart and, and, and you know, just uh, that, the, the hilarious giving, as they say, and just to where you have a heart that is just overflowing. He doesn't like that. And he's going to fight back. In Nehemiah in chapter 2, um, <clears throat> now there's several places here um, where it starts off. But in, in chapter 2 and verse 17, he tells the, uh, the rulers, hey, let's build the walls up. And he, told them, he tells them how God's hand was on him. After he prayed and fasted, he said, God's hands are on me, so we're going to go ahead and do this. And they said, okay, let's do it. So they rose up to build, and they strengthened their hands for this good work. But in verse 19, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. This is us right here. This is us building the wall. You know, I'm not putting all my cards in a building, okay? That doesn't necessarily mean God's, oh, God's not blessing because we don't have a new building, or God is blessing because we have, not necessarily, but it is a sign of life, okay? And, and redoing things, it's a sign of, of, of life, but this is, this is our wall that we're building. And so he says, hey, you got no part in it. There are going to be people that laugh. There are going to be people that don't believe in what we're doing here. Those are the ones we ought not to be hanging with, right. family or otherwise. Right. Oh, don't go there. Ooh, if they're not drawing you closer to God, I get it. It's family, but you know that. I'm just gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> they're not helping you. They're probably hurting you. Um, look at chapter four. Nehemiah chapter 4. So they start building up uh, the wall, and actually there's a in, in chapter three, they're building the wall, and I'll just tell you right now it's in there that the Tekoahites, the nobles, the Tekoheitites built did two parts, just the regular ones, but the nobles, they didn't lift their hand to the work. And we're going to see something else on there on the nobles as well. but in chapter four, look at verse one. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in, in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? So they start mocking them. But notice, he's getting reinforcements. They're going to be, the more God works, the more people will fight against it. And the only thing I can say is when it happens is just be praising God that you know, oh, God must be doing something if the devil's fighting us. Amen? God must be doing something. Verses 7 and 8. But it came to pass, and when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashrodites, and I see there's more, Heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth, and they conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Hinder it. So what did he do? He just quit, right? No, he didn't quit. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night. Hey, get ready. The threats are going to come. And what did they do? They armed themselves. If you read down through the rest of it, they, he he put people up on the wall to watch, and he said, "Then from that day forward, their one hand would have would be working, and the other hand, and the other side, they had a sword. Arm yourselves. Hey, this is a fight. You understand that? Just because you can't see the spiritual realm doesn't mean it's not there, folks. It is there. I mean, by, I mean, God talks about that just as far as being born again. You can't see it, can you? Are you born again, Dustin? You sure? (laughs) Yeah. I believe he's saved. There's evidence for it. Right? But I can't see it, but I know that he is. Right? I know I'm saved. It's a spiritual warfare. We're at war, folks. Arm yourselves. Be on guard. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Do you know who he devours? The ones that are not vigilant, the ones that are not sober. What's it mean to be sober? It's not alcohol, okay? It means being, being aware, being not frivolous, not flippant, sober. To be sober-minded is, is a level-headed, reasonable person and it's, 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 it carries the context of being on guard. And God tells you to do that. Your adversary, the devil, he's walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And, and Josh brought up the other day, um, when he comes with the, in Job, he comes with the uh, sons of God, and he comes and presents himself before God. Where, where hast thou been? Walking to and fro in the earth. And then, with, at, at Josh's point, I just told you to preach half my message the other day. We just found out why he was walking to and fro. Seeking whom he may devour. Are you going to be the next one? You know who gets devoured? It's those that are not sober. Those that are not watching. Those that are lax. Those that are allowing things to creep into their lives. Those that have gotten a little stagnant. Will he take a shot at those? That, he loves to take a shot at preachers. You keep your preacher in prayer. But if you're humbling yourself before God and you're purifying your heart and you're submitting yourself to God and you resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's why that just man standeth. That's why you stand. But don't think that you it's not going to happen to you. You're not on guard. If you're not fighting that fight, if you're not actively being involved in the things of God and you're on the sidelines... You're like the nobles of the Tekoites. They put not their hand to the work. And we're going to see later on, and if we're, I'll probably skip a bit, but in the next chapter, it says that they conspired with the enemy. The nobles were from within. And we got problems from without. We know that. We know those enemies. We're aware of those. But from within. So let me ask you on that pride issue, remember? Are you willing to mourn? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to cast off those sins and those weights that so easily beset you? If you're not, you're just a noble. Because we've already figured out we can have it. We can be seen soul saved. We can see the, the comebacks, I call them. We can be having the comebacks um, this whole place would be full for all the people that have left this church over the years, for one reason or another. And I'm not saying this church is for everyone. Maybe it's not. I mean, if you don't like a good church, church that preaches the word of God, church that has conservative and patriotic values, this may not be the church for you. Man, this whole auditorium can be full and some amen so do we want it are you willing to do what's necessary to get it so and so as i read through nehemiah I saw these parallels with the book of james and all these things happen and so they arm themselves um there's deception in verses 13 through 17 there's deception he says hey just come on we just want to talk with you hey just come over and hang with us for a little while don't be hanging with the enemy, folks. I was telling the guys in jail that got saved, I, I told them, I said, when you get out of here, do not, do not, do not run back to your, to your buddies. They would drag you down. Now, I, I was fortunate. When I got saved, I got saved out here on the West Coast, and I was out here for a year, and I was in Bible school for a year, and then I went home. So I got grounded in the Word of God, so I was able to go back there and contend for the faith. You know, one night I was down, um, you may have heard this in my testimony, but me and a buddy, we drove down just in, in the burg, I mean, lived in a burg, okay, we drove down in the burg and um, there's a little place there, it's a, every place in where I grew up, if the establishments, they're all bars, okay, some of them call themselves taverns, some of them say grill, they're all bars, okay. So I, we ordered wings, and we went down there. I was driving, so my buddy went in. Well, the bartender knew who I was, and he knew I was out in the car didn't come in. Now, at the time, I had just gotten saved. I didn't even have a conviction about alcohol, to be honest with you, but I didn't go in. Well, he told my buddy John, he said, well, well whatever Rick got, it must be real, because he didn't even come in. Wow. That kind of that pricked me in the heart. Cause I was like, I didn't even have a conviction about alcohol, but now... Now i got to think about that. (laughs) Right? You know, the other time, you know, (laughs) uh, here, here, I'll tell you the reverse of that story. There was a guy that was coming here. um, This was many years ago. But he started missing, started missing. I knew where he was. But one day, I went into the alibi. If you guys don't know what the alibi is, it's a tavern. You should have seen him. I mean, his face went white. And what did he say when he saw the preacher walking in? What did he say? What are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, what are you doing here? I give up some of that stuff. Um, let's keep, let's get, keep going here so we can get this done. But uh, I, I asked a question here. I asked, where do you see yourself in, in the book of Nehemiah? You go through and you read this one built this one, and this built this, and you got Nehemiah who's running the things. Then there's some with the swords, and there's, you know, there's some that are are building, and then there's the nobles that won't put their hands to the work, and then there's the there's some of them that are intermarrying with people they're not supposed to be, and there's even the priests, the priests, they they lost their consecration, they they married, you know, heathen, and. You know, other things like that going on. Some are sending letters to, to to Nehemiah and that kind of stuff. I wonder where do you see yourself? <clears throat> know this though, that when God starts blessing, just like in Nehemiah and when and God's people start getting right, the devil doesn't like it. And now I want to real quick I'm gonna go over what are your enemies? If I said three enemies, what are they? World, flesh, and the devil that pretty much comprises it, right? I mean, that pretty well sums it up. World, the flesh, and the devil. So, Matthew chapter 6, and verse 19 through 24. Just for sake of time, you know the passive. We've, we've read it a few times here in the last few weeks. But you cannot serve God in mammon. Okay, mammon is avarice. It's the it's the inort... In, Desire, it's, it's the uh, an overwhelming desire, a lust for things, for gain, for wealth, the world system. You want it all. That's what that is. And he says, you can't serve both. You can't serve God and mammon, right? So the world. Luke chapter 4 and verse 5: the devil takes Jesus Christ up to a high pinnacle, right? And he shows them all the kingdoms, and he says, If you fall down and, and worship me, I'll give you all these, right? There's an allurement with the world that even the devil tried to use it against Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, I prayed. So I prayed to, to God before we had service, and I was praying to God to clear this room of any wicked demon. So I'm going to make a stupid joke, which I wouldn't do if I knew the devil was here, okay? But. The devil, he made the world. <laughs> what? Oh, you can have all this if you worship me. Um, I made it. I made this world. <laughs> what a stupid thing to do for Jesus Christ. But it shows you that there's, there's something there that, that, that inside of us that we want that. We want success. We want money. And you know, as Pastor said, there's nothing wrong with money except that how much you want it to the extent when it turns into a lust when the work becomes more important than church <clears throat> in 2nd Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 10 Demas hath forsaken me for what? loving this world he, just, he went back into the world and if you read about Demas he was a very faithful helper of Paul but what do we know about Demas? He quit the work and went back into the world. It can happen, folks. Um, in James chapter 4, we were already there in verse 4. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Now, what's that mean? It doesn't mean, okay, there's people that are outside this church we're friendly with. No, that's not what it means. It means that that you're... you're um, intimate with the world. This is you. This is your worldly. You want these things. He talked about ye adulterers, adulterers and adulteresses. He says you're lusting after things in your heart. And he says, if, you, if this is what you want, you're an enemy with God. I don't want to be an enemy with God. We have that old nature and, and we fight that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. I know I'm quoting verses and paraphrasing verses. If you need those verses later, I'd be happy to give them to you. Funny thing happened to me at the jail this last week. I've never had this happen. I got done preaching, and a man asked me for my sermon. I never had that happen before. So I, I was stunned. I'm like, what? he says, yeah, can I have your notes? You want my notes? He says, yeah. I'm like, man, that, that was something, I don't know. It's just a preacher thing. I guess I've never had that happen before. Where am I at, 2 Corinthians? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 4. Oh, will start in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And there's several things in this passage that we're going to look at. I'll mention a couple of them, then we'll we'll get to them here at the end. But um, first of all, the God of this world. Now, if you're a friend to the world, you're at enmity with God, right? Who's the God of this world? That'd be the devil. That's Satan, right? So that's one of our enemies. Now, probably, like, obviously, the strongest, most intimidating, if you would, um, adversary, formidable adversary, but not necessarily the one that is the strongest in our life. Because let's face it, probably none of us in here have done combat with the devil. Right? But he is strong. He is formidable. Isaiah chapter, uh, oh, before we go there, so he's the God of this world. So we know that he's not, a, he's not on God's good side because we know that anyone who's a friend to the world is at enmity with God. We know that he's trying to hide, to blind people from the gospel. But we also know that the light of the, the glorious gospel of Christ, will, if it's allowed to shine unto them, can bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what I'm getting at there is he's the capital L light of the world, Right? So it's talking about that right here, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But he's not on earth, is he? So who did he send in his stead, those very words? You and I. We're the light of the gospel of Christ now. We're the ones that bring them the gospel, aren't we? We're the reflection of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 14. I want you to see something here. What time do we normally get done? I'm probably over already, ain't I? Isn't <laughs> John like, yeah, you are. <laughs> That's funny. I don't even know because I'm always facing this way, and I don't even look at the time when he's preaching. <laughs> this feels like feels like we're over. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Okay, so here's Lucifer. Lucifer, the word means light bearer. Oh, coincidentally, we're the light bearers. We took his job. He was the covering cherub. Ezekiel chapter 28 says, calls him the anointed cherub that covereth. He was over the throne of God. He has gems built into him. The light of, of Jesus Christ would come off of him and hit him. And, and this is theory, but I think it went throughout the universe. But he was in because of his beauty and his wisdom, he got full of pride. And he lost his job. And guess what you're called? The sons of God. You are called the sons of God, the children of God. And guess what your job is? To reflect Jesus Christ to the world. We took his job. And he hates you for it. He's a liar, a slanderer, an adversary. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's he's subtle. He casts doubt on God's word. He can be transformed into an angel of light, so he's a deceiver. As a roaring lion, so he's powerful. He can cause cause people to, to fall. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant. And resist him. Humble yourself to God and resist him. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You've got the Holy Spirit of God in you. Now, I'm not... You know, I made a little joke about it, and I'm serious. If I knew the devil's here, I wouldn't make that joke because he's, he's a formidable adversary. And I've got Christ in me. I belong to Jesus Christ. So do you. You've got a part of God inside of you. Is he an adversary? Yes, he is. Are we going to run into some problems? When, when God starts moving, you can bet on it. We need to be in prayer for one another. We need to be on guard. We need to be fasting regularly. I don't think this, that I know of in the years I've been here. Maybe um, Laura or Mrs. Cole, um, the Gatlins have been here for a long time. Do you ever know of this church regularly, Andy, fasting as a church? I know we, you know, we've done here and there. We need to, we need to, we need to add that. Okay, let's real quick. I'm going to finish up here. But the flesh, Romans chapter six and seven. Romans chapter 6 and 7, I'm just going to give you a, a kind of an overview of these two chapters. Now, the flesh is your enemy that I said is probably the strongest because that's the one we deal with day in and day out. I mean, that's the one that, that is most prevalent in our life that we're going to be dealing with. So in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 17 through 24, the Bible talks about putting off the old man, putting on the new, Right? We're supposed to put the old man off. In chapter 6 of Romans, you have what Paul is describing as the old man in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we, what's that next word? Should not serve sin. Do you see that? There's a choice there. So we're crucified with him. We're to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That reckoning is an accounting term and it's, it's, um, it's, it's making everything correct in the accounting, in the columns, and everything's reckoned, right? Everything is it's squared away. There's no doubt about it. And that's what, that's what God says you're to do, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Hey, you're saved. You've put on Jesus Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism, the like figure of it, right, and raised to resurrection of life. Why are you living to the old man? Why are you feeding the corpse? Why are you doing the things of the flesh? It can just be a TV show. You can't turn the stupid thing on now, even, even kids programming. I had a friend of mine, lost guy. I, mean, I don't know if I ever gave this testimony. Some of the guys are probably here. He's a, a lost guy, a trooper in South Dakota. that They were watching, um, I may have the name wrong, but Supergirl, the girl version of Superman. And of course, one of the main characters is a lesbian. And she's getting married. And his little girl, I don't know how old she was, but she says, But daddy, where's her husband? Not recognizing that the other girl, girl was the husband or whatever. And this lost guy said, Not watching that. Turned it off. It was done it's all over in our society now all that kind of stuff why are we pumping it into our heads why do we got to participate in it <clears throat> in verse in chapter so he says to uh verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Amen. You just got to yield to God. Woo! He wants to use us as instruments of righteousness. Amen. Me you all like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, I, I believe it. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. We just got to yield ourselves to God, and he wants to use us. Yes. Amen, he uses the base things of the world to confound the wise. Amen, he wants to use us in that way. You just got to reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. You're a child of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We don't live that life anymore. Don't let it start creeping in. Don't let anything hold you back. And in chapter 7 of Romans, Paul goes on to say, The things that I would I do not, the things that I would not, those I do. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, Ah, oh, man, I'm stuck in this stupid flesh. Ah, oh, sometimes I, I wanna I wanna get up and go Saturday. I want to go soul winning. And then I didn't do it. I stayed home and I watched the baseball game. Ah, oh, he says, Ah, oh, that stinks. This is the Apostle Paul. Woo, we got hope. If Paul had struggles, come on. That means we're going to have some struggles. But at the end, he says, I thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where the victory is. Claim the victory, folks. Claim the victory. Yeah, there's some stuff we got to put off. There's some stuff we got to put on. But I ask you again, do you want revival? It can be here. We can have it. We're going to make some changes as individuals and as a church. Amen? I'm in. Are you in? Amen. Let's pray. We'll, we'll close up here. Lord, Heavenly Father, to you be all the praise, honor, and glory. Anything you do here in this church, everything you have done in this church in the last 50 years, it's for your honor and glory. We give you all the credit. God, we are praying. From our hearts, do a work here tonight. Do a work in our hearts. Help us to cleanse ourselves, to purify ourselves, to seek you with our whole heart. We're just flesh. God, and we do have those same struggles, just like Paul did. And Lord, we confess them to you. He ask you to forgive us where we have fallen short. We ask you to help us to reach higher, and ask you, God, to do a work in this church and in this community, in the Yuba County Jail, Yuba County, California, United States. God, we ask you to start doing a work, and we don't deserve it, God. We don't, but we're just calling upon your mercy and on your grace, and asking you to do a mighty thing here. We ask that you to put your hands of protection about this ministry, about our school. Our teachers and staff and our pastor and his family, we just ask that you do a work. God, we love you. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us, for your son and the death on the cross, and just for allowing us to be part of your family and a part of your work. Just pray that you continue this work and pray that you have your will and your way in our hearts. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are dismissed because the preacher went long. Amen.